So this is the, uh, this is the, well, I think it is. This is the final um, part of the series, Truly Free. Did someone say, oh? Well, we can, well, there'll be other stuff. Next Sunday, we've got Mark, and who knows what Mark's going to bring. And then the Sunday after, we're having one of those Sundays where we have three different people share some, uh, some things. So we'll, that's a great way to finish off the month. But we're going to just continue in our series about being truly free. Because if we've been cleansed of stuff and set free of stuff, it's important that we get filled. So, we'll, so we're going to look at part of being truly free is actually being filled and overflowing. Is there an amen? Hands up who feels this series has been beneficial. Feels like you've got something out of it. Most people, hey. Yeah. So Lord, we want to thank you today that your word is living and active. We want to thank you that it is sharper than a double-edged sword. God, we want to thank you that you are cleansing, that you are healing, that you are uh, delivering, that you are setting us free. In the midst of the fire, in the midst of the battles, in the midst of the things, God, we want to thank you that you're taking us deeper. We want to thank you, God, that your spirit is just cleansing us. God, that we would be filled to overflowing with your goodness and your love, with your spirit, O oh God. Lord, we want to thank you that you're a good father. And as your word says, that you give good gifts. So you give the Holy Spirit to those that ask. We want to thank you that you're a good father. And we want to thank you this morning that your word is truth, that your spirit is the spirit of truth. And Jesus, you are the truth. So this morning... We bind any principality and power that would seek to uh, cause us to not hear or not receive in the name of Jesus. And we welcome the ministry of your Spirit amongst us, O oh God, that you would speak to us corporately, but Lord, that you would speak to us individually in our walk with you. And the people said, Amen. So Jesus did declare, as we've been reminded every week, if the Son has set you free, then you are well, depending which translation you read, you could be truly free. But yes, that is correct. The essence of the gospel. We talked a little bit about the gospel last week. The essence of the gospel is a transformed life. You come to Jesus, you are transformed. The old is gone, the new has come. We have to get back. The church, as we mentioned last week, has to get back to the gospel. And over the last few weeks, I guess, we've been weaving through that a little bit. We started with a, some foundations looking at things that stop us from being truly free. Pride. Pride is a massive thing that stops us from being truly free, that recognizes that we need to humble ourselves and we need to own some things and we need to... Um, repentance of things. We looked at repentance. We looked at patterns. We looked at things that, you know, that um, we need to bring before the Lord because there's been this doctrine that's been floating in and out of the church that says we don't need to repent anymore. So we looked at that. We looked at, you know, um, what Christ has done for us. We went through that. We looked at different spirits that operate. We, we looked at the fear of the Lord. We looked at uh, strongholds, patterns that kept cycles and patterns that kept uh, um, carrying on. We talked about being beware of the snare, 
that the enemy wants to ensnare you with something to stop you from walking forward and, and walking free. And, you know, unforgiveness and bitterness and fear and greed and all that stuff is where the enemy tries to do that. You know, we've, we've covered a lot over the last, whatever it's been, I think it's been seven weeks for me, but plus Jen Jessup was here as well. Because it's the enemy that comes to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you would have life and that you would have an abundant life. Now, that doesn't mean we don't go through things. That doesn't mean we don't face things. But the abundance of God is that we become more than, more than conquerors. We are overcomers through him who loved us. We go through things. We don't sink underneath, but we, but we go through and we rise above. The word abundant is more than. He came that we would have life more than the common, more than the average person, and that people would see Christ in us in such a way that they would say, I need what you have. That's the life that he came to live, not, not to see a people that would attend church on a Sunday and then by Sunday night they've forgotten all about it and Monday they're just living for themselves and they're just doing whatever until the next week. He didn't come for that. That's religious. He came to transform us. He came to set us free. He came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to, he came to destroy the works of the devil. You know, we go through... Oh, there's my bit of paper. We go through the Gospel of Luke, and we know in Luke chapter 9, he summoned the twelve... And he gave them a power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. And in Matthew 8, the same, the same um, thing that Jesus was talking about, Matthew says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leprous and drive out demons. He gave them authority to do those things. And I've heard people throughout the ages go, oh, well, that was just for the twelve. He just spoke to the 12. Well, you've only got to turn one more chapter to Luke chapter 10 to realize that he sent out 72 with the same commission. He sent them out with the same commission. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leprous, drive out demons. And they came back rejoicing, saying, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus said to declare the kingdom of heaven has come near. We see it through the book of Acts. We see right through the book of Acts. The ministry of Jesus continuing. Driving out demons, healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing those who have leprosy. The ministry of Jesus was never meant to stop. It continues until he comes. It's amazing to think that the God who created the heavens and the earth, who spoke it out, who flung the stars into space, has called us to walk with him and to fellowship with him and, in a sense, to partner with him to see his kingdom come and his will be done on this earth until he comes. We're not retreating, waiting for Jesus to return. We are to take grounds. We are to move forward. We are to carry out, carry out the mandate of the kingdom of heaven until he comes. Amen. We've been looking at closing doors, closing the doors. Do not give the devil a foothold. Do not go to bed angry. Do not give him a foothold. It's when we don't deal with stuff in our lives that we give the enemy a foothold. Keep a short account. 
Give the enemy no foothold, no room in your life. Repentance. Walk in the light. That was one of the other things that we spoke about. Walk in the light as he is in the light because we have fellowship with one another. Don't, don't hide stuff. Don't walk in darkness and giving the enemy access, but walk in the light. Find someone that you can have a relationship with and say, I am struggling in this area and I need you to walk with me. I need you to pray with me. I need you to keep me accountable. Bring it into the light because you disempower the enemy. But we have to understand that if we're being cleansed of things, we need to be filled. Romans 12 says, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's not just be transformed and re be renewed. It is a renewing. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Ephesians, which, which we'll get to shortly. Ephesians chapter 5, you know, keep being filled. It says be filled, but the Greek is a continual. Keep being filled with the Spirit. You know, in Matthew chapter 12, we read this account, which should serve as a warning, but also as a reminder to us that if we're being delivered of something or set free of something, we need to be filled. Matthew chapter 12, verse 43. When an unclean spirit comes out of a person, it roams through waterless places looking for rest and doesn't find any. And it says, I'll go back to that house that I came from. Returning, it finds the house vacant, swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself and they enter and they settle down there and as a result that person's last condition is worse than the first. It's really important that we fill. When we're in prayer ministry with people and we see someone released from a spirit of fear, it's really important that we pray in the things of God. Perfect love, cast out all fear. We don't want to leave the person in an empty state. We want to see them filled. We want to see them with the love of God, the hope, the joy, the peace, whatever is needed. We want to see people filled. Is there an amen? We need to understand that the enemy wants to fill us. We need to understand that. The enemy wants to fill us. If we go through the book of Acts just really quickly, Acts um, chapter 5, verse 3, Ananias, Peter, Peter asked, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Why has Satan so filled your heart that you would lie? Chapter 13, verse 45. I'm just trying to find a couple of examples. Acts chapter 13, verse 45 but when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what Paul was saying, throwing insults at him. They were filled with jealousy. Jealousy is not a good thing. Jealousy is not from God. Well, he's a jealous God, but that's another story. We'll get there another day. But in terms of this kind of jealousy, it's not a good thing. It's not from God. And it actually caused them to persecute. It actually caused them in a bit of rage. Um, Acts chapter 19, verse, verse 28. When they heard this, they were filled with rage. Doesn't matter what, it, the enemy's trying to fill us with stuff. Fear, 
jealousy, rage, all kinds of things. If we turn to 1 John chapter 2, we read, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. The enemy is really subtle sometimes. He wants to fill us. He wants to fill us with a love and a, for the world or the things of this world. He wants to fill us with, oh, I need more of that. I want more of this. I remember I had a really good friend and they were really honest. And, you know, they used to get out the monthly Koorong catalogue and they used to buy lots of stuff out of Koorong. If you walked into their home, you'd see bookcases that were kind of like, there was so much stuff from Koorong, it was absolutely everywhere. And, you know, they were praying one day and they had a list of all this and they, there was like several hundred dollars worth of stuff that they were going to buy. And in, and in that moment, they just, they just prayed. And the Lord spoke to them and said, why, why are you spending all this money buying all this stuff on? What do you really need? And they fell to sleep, sleep on it. They got up the next morning, they went through their list, and they went, oh, I don't really need that. No, that's not for me, that's not for me, that's for, not for me. The enemy wants to crowd our hearts in. He wants to fill us. He wants to fill us with all kinds of desires. We don't need the latest car. We don't need the best house. We don't need these things because they're actually all going to pass away. Yes, we need a roof over our head. Yes, we need a car that actually goes. That's handy, isn't it? If you have a car that actually goes, that's handy. But I remember years ago preaching a message about the early church and how they would share their goods and possessions with anyone who had need. Now, we've got to understand that culture was not a lazy culture. Forgive me for saying that. They weren't a lazy culture. They didn't just sit back and expect someone to give something to them. They actually contributed. People were helping and contributing in some form. So, but, but in the midst of that, they were sharing goods and possessions with everyone who had need. You know, and someone said, well, what does that look like today? And I said, well, what it looks like today is if I needed a new car for myself and, and I had $50,000 and I was going to spend $50,000 on my next car, but then I have someone in my midst who's a single mum with no car, I'd go, well, actually, I don't really need a $50,000 motor car. I could actually do with a $30,000 motor car, and here's a $10,000 motor car for you, and here's another $10,000 motor car for you. Just saying. What does it mean to love one another? In Luke chapter 6, we read from verse 37, it says, Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will, give, will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. It will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. 
He went on to say, why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood or the plank of wood in your own eye? How can you say, brother, let me take out the splinter that is in your eye when you yourself don't see the beam of wood in your own eye? Hypocrite. That's pretty strong. First take the beam of wood out of your own eye, then you'll see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. There's a whole passage in here. With the measure you use, it will be given back to you. Whether it's a, you know, if you judge, you're going to be judged. If you condemn, you're going to be condemned. If you don't forgive, you're going to walk in unforgiveness and people are going to, it just follows you. But in the same way, if you give, whatever you give will be measured back to you, pressed down, shaken together and running over. To put it another way, you reap what you sow. What is your life sowing? What is your speech sowing? What are you sowing? Because you will reap what you sow. As believers, so the enemy wants to fill us with stuff. But as believers, we should be filling ourselves with the things of God. We need to position ourselves. We need to position ourselves to be filled and to keep being filled. We can position ourselves in worship. We can position ourselves in prayer. We can position ourselves in the Word, spending time in the Word of God. We can position ourselves in fellowship with like-minded brothers and sisters. All these things and more help us to be filled with the Spirit of God or keep on being filled. That's why the enemy wants to make your life so busy because all of a sudden you're going to stop praying as much, you're going to stop spending time in the Word as much and you're not going to fellowship as much and all of a sudden you're going to find yourself you know, on a slippery slope going somewhere else. He wants to cause our lives you know, to be such that we withdraw from these things because he knows that if we worship, if we pray, if we spend time in the Word and we fellowship and get together with like-minded people, that we will be filled and keep being filled and build up and strengthen and encouraged. Which is why the Word of God says, as you see the day approaching in Hebrews, all the more, as you see the day of Christ approaching, encourage one another and all the more. More. Don't just encourage each other, but, but you're going to have to do it a bit more. We see in Acts chapter 2, verse 28, that the disciples were filled with gladness. We don't want to be filled with jealousy and rage and anger. We want to be filled with gladness. Anyone else want to be filled with gladness? In Romans 15, 13, it says that we'll be filled with joy and peace. The kingdom of heaven is righteousness, joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, it says, My God will supply all your needs according to his riches. The Greek word for supply means fill unto full. Fill unto full. My God will fill unto full. The thing is that we have to get rid of the clutter. You know, let's, you know, if you've had kids, you know that they go to a certain age and they like to snack. 
Anyone ever, everyone has kids that just like to, to, to snack. And, and often, unless you're a super parent, they'll end up snacking on things that are not necessarily that good for them. Is that a fair comment? Where's the, where's the chips? Where's the biscuits? It's not like where's the fruit and where's the nuts and where's the whatever. It's kind of, but they snack. And then, and then you get to dinner time and you've got this really nice meal that you put time and preparation into it and they go, I'm not hungry. No one else ever experienced that. We've got three people. Wow. Oh, come on. Who's experienced that? Yeah, look. now. Yeah, look, look at that. See? Now... Let's take that spiritually. If we, spend, if we spend our time snacking on little things that really have no benefit to us, then when a smorgasbord of the Spirit is put in front of us, guess what? We're not hungry. The problem, one of the problems with the church in Australia is we're not hungry. We're not hungry. We're satisfied. We shouldn't be satisfied. We shouldn't, we shouldn't be satisfied in our walk with where we are in our walk with God. We shouldn't be satisfied of where the church is. We shouldn't be satisfied of where our nation is. In Scripture, we see people weep. Prophets would stand in the gap and they would weep over the nation. They would weep. They weren't satisfied. But you see, we fill our lives with all kinds of stuff, and I'm not saying you can't go to the beach and go, I'm not saying that. We need some rest. We need some R&R. We need those times. But what are we filling our lives with constantly, day after day after day? We think we need TV until you fast from it, and then you realise that TV's got nothing. Advertising, the way that it works. I'm not going to get into that now because we're going to keep preaching the word. But advertising, because it tries to get your senses to think that you need it, that you need this. And that's what the enemy's trying to do. He's trying to clutter us up so that we have no space to hunger. But the word of God says, Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, but they will be filled. They'll be filled. In Isaiah 55, come all you who are thirsty, come. Come all you who are hungry, come. We need a greater hunger. We need to get rid of the clutter. That's part of what we're talking about. Get rid of the clutter out of our hearts and out of our lives so that there's space for us to not only hunger but be filled with the things of God. And I know that's happening for some of you, I don't get to see all of you all the time, but some people that I'm spending time with, it's happening. Clearing out the clutter for the only thing that matters. Is there an amen? So in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, reckless living, Remember, we talked all the way back, we talked about, about demonic influence. You know, how you end up, you know if there's a demonic influence because you end up doing something that you didn't want to do and then later you regret that you did it. 
that's alcohol, that's drugs. You People get filled with something and then they'll end up doing something and in the end they'll actually regret it and go, I can't believe I did it. And then shame and guilt come upon them. But they get stuck in a cycle. So they keep filling that. But Paul says, don't get drunk on wine. But be filled with the Spirit. I've been praying for someone the last three or four weeks of most weeks I've kind of laid hands on them and prayed for them. And the lifestyle that they've come out of to know Christ, they said, this is so much better than anything I've ever tasted. It's true. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You don't want the other stuff. You don't want McDonald's. After you've had a steak and veg, it's nearly the same price nowadays too. Anyway, that's another story. Keep being filled. Keep being filled. Keep being filled. Keep being filled. This is what we see in the book of Acts all the way through. They were kept being filled. Obviously on the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost, chapter 2, had arrived, they were all together in one place and suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues of, uh, like flames of fire that separated and rested on each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Come on. They were filled with the Spirit. But it didn't, just, it didn't just stop there. In verse 13, in verse 13, someone exclaimed to them, they sneered and said, they're filled on new wine. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. The new wine of the new covenant. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Spirit of God within us. But we could spend a little bit of time. We won't spend too much time. But here's a couple of verses. Acts chapter 4, verse 8. So Peter, Peter and John are arrested. They're facing the leadership. And they said, and then it says in verse 8, Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and said to them, and then he just starts preaching. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, just starts preaching. Chapter 4, verse 31. So they'd come out of prison. They'd, they'd, they'd reported back to the church. And they'd said, you know, this is what we've, we've been told, that we shouldn't speak anymore in the name of Jesus. And so they came back. And what did they do? They had a Holy Spirit prayer meeting. That's the answer, isn't it? Often we, when something is in front of us, we tend to try and do it in our own strength. We tend to try and respond. We, we, we tend to try and react and take things on in our own strength and in our own effort. But their answer was go to prayer. And there's an encouragement for us. Whatever we face and whatever is going on, our first response should be to go to prayer. The word through Adrian months ago about building a wall and the enemy trying to come in to stop us building was, you know, um, was go to prayer. Nehemiah was a man of prayer. He would go to prayer. 
So that's what they did. They went to prayer. And then in verse 31, we read, When they had prayed, the place that they were assembled was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the Word of God boldly. I love that. I love the transformation of that. Because it wasn't just Peter and John and the other apostles speaking anymore boldly. It wasn't just them. But in that prayer meeting, they were all filled with the Spirit and they all began to speak the Word of God boldly. Now, I want to see that. Not just leave it to the leaders, not just leave it to those, you know, that do it. No, 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 we're all going to speak the Word of God boldly. Maybe you could speak that over your life. I'm going to speak the word of God boldly. Okay, there's one. Okay. She represents all of us. Acts chapter 7, verse, verse 55. He was Stephen. He was preaching. He was saying some pretty in-your-face things like you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts. So when the religious heard this, they were enraged and they gnashed their teeth at him. What does that even look like? Like gnash? They were so enraged that they gnashed their teeth at him. And then it says, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven, saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. They yelled at their voices, they covered their ears, and they rushed him and they stoned him. And he said, Lord, receive my spirit. And he went. But he was filled with the Spirit. Stephen, filled with the Spirit. We could keep going. Acts chapter 13, verse 9. Maybe I'll do one more. I just want you to see that this just keeps happening. Acts chapter 13, verse, verse 9. Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, stared at Elymas and said, You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. You are a son of the devil and um, you are you son of the devil, an enemy of all that is right. Won't you ever stop perverting the straight paths of the Lord? Now the Lord's hand is against you. You are going to be blind and you will not see the sun for a time. And immediately a mist and a darkness fell on him and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. We see this pattern. We can keep going through the book of Acts. We see this pattern that yes, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke in tongues as the Spirit of God enabled them, but they kept being filled. In prayer gatherings, they were being filled. In moments, you know, where they had to step into things in boldness, they were being filled. I want us to understand, God wants us to understand that 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 is our walk. We need to keep being filled. But to be filled, you need to be thirsty, hungry. If you're not thirsty and you're hungry, you just go through the ho-hums. Abundant life is not ho-hums. Abundant life is not, she'll be right, she'll be right, mate. Whenever it happens, you know, whatever's going on, she'll be right, mate. No. We would hunger. We would thirst. What are you filling your lives with? Get rid of the clutter. Get rid of the stuff. Be filled with the things of God. Is there an amen? I want to say this morning, this filling of the Holy Spirit is twofold. It's about character and it's about power. 
Robin sent me a message during the week and I watched it and I thought, wow, Bill's actually, Bill, he sent me a message from Bill Johnson and he was just, and he was talking about the same thing. It's about character and it's about power. And he, he was sharing that he sees, you know, he can understand whilst people now elevate character over power of the Holy Spirit because of the stuff that's gone on in the church. You know, there's people that are casting out demons and performing miracles, but their character is just so out of. But he said what's happened is there's been an imbalance the other way. But to be filled with the Spirit is, is character and power. It's both. It's not just one or the other. It's both. Because the Word of God says, do not grieve the Spirit. And he listed all kinds of things that were grieving the Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. That's, that's how we live. That's our character. Don't grieve the Spirit by walking in unforgiveness. Don't grieve the Spirit by lusting. Don't grieve the Spirit by these things. Don't grieve Him. But then it also says in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, do not quench the Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. Don't put out the Spirit's fire. Let the fire burn. We need to repent of where we've grieved and where we've quenched the, the Holy Spirit. Is there, is there an amen to that one? I thought I, thought I might have got a little bit of reaction to that. Oh. We need to repent of it. Don't grieve the Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Walk in. Walk in the character of Christ. Walk in the Spirit. But see the power of God. Who told you that you can't lay hands on the sick and they will recover? Who told you? Who told you? Be filled. It's God in us and it's God through us. Amen? It's God in us and it's God through us. It's the character and the power. It's the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Both are key. I guess my question is, will we position ourselves for the fullness and the overflow? That's where you need to make a decision. Will you position yourself to receive? We need to get rid of all pride. It's all got to go. Because without him, we are nothing. And apart from him, we can do nothing. That's why Jesus said, abide in me. Stay connected. Because apart from me, you can do nothing, but with me, you will bear much fruit. You see, the life of Christ flows through us. It's character and it's power. Jesus demonstrated heaven in both ways. He demonstrated honour, love, grace, mercy, kindness, etc., peace. He demonstrated power, healing, signs, wonders, miracles. He demonstrated both. Will you position yourself for the more of God? The journey is repent. Be cleansed, be healed. Be filled. Deal with the stuff that needs to be dealt with. I was talking to someone this morning 
who, were, who was encouraged to forgive somebody. And they gave testimony of when they forgave that person, they just felt this weight just lift off. You're only harming yourself if you don't deal with these things. It's time for us to agree with God. Christ in us and Christ through us. It's time to walk in freedom. Freedom. For who the sun sets free is free indeed. It's time to be filled. The invitation this morning is to be filled. Last Sunday, we went through this paper to repent and renounce. And maybe for some, maybe there's some things that, we, that you need to go back through. Maybe there's some highlights. Maybe some things that God was speaking about. This is not a bad thing. This is a good thing. This is an opportunity for you to sit with God and allow the Holy Spirit to highlight some things that you need to deal with before God. But today is an opportunity to be filled and to keep being filled. The altar, the front is open today if you need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. We will lay hands on you to see you be filled with the Spirit of God. Is there anything left? Is there anything left that you have to give to God? Are those packets of, packets of chips, those bickies, those cream cakes? Is there anything that you have to give to God so that you will begin to hunger and thirst for righteousness? The music team, can you come? The problem with the gospel in the Western world is that it's been presented in such a way that people just add Jesus to their life. It's like there's all these different religions and there's all these different things and the choices and you just add him. Oh, he's, he's going to make my life better. No, no, no. The real gospel is that Jesus becomes your life. You die to self and you rise with Christ. Like Grace went through the waters of baptism yesterday. She died herself. She arrived with Christ. She rose with Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. It's not adding Jesus to our life. It's Jesus you are. Life. Apart from you, there is no. We're born again of the Holy Spirit. We're born again. And that's why even though we die, we live. We don't, we don't stop living. Because death has been conquered. You know, having been in pastoral ministry for 25 years, I've, I've only been in, I think, four funerals that I've had to participate in 
where an unbeliever has died. The rest of the time, it's someone in the fellowship has gone to glory. You know what? You can tell the difference. Jesus is life. Jesus is life. The funerals where there was there, there was no hope. There was trauma and there was grief and there was such overwhelming sadness. But the ones in Christ, yes, there's there's still grief because the loved one who is there is not there, but there's such hope. I never forget grace. At the end of spontaneously just singing, I raise a hallelujah. In the presence of my enemies, I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. And I remember them talking to the staff at Des Allen's. And this guy was getting messed up in his thinking because he's going, how can you guys be singing a song like this at a funeral? He didn't know Christ. It was messing with his head. You see, death has been defeated. Grave. Where is your victory? But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory. That's why Paul said to live is Christ and to die is gain. Well, the church just needs to get back to that. To live is Christ. The life I'm living, I'm living for Jesus. In my workplace, in my family, in my sporting clubs, in my street, wherever. I'm just going to live for Jesus. God, fill me with boldness that I would speak your word boldly, that I wouldn't deny you, but I would speak for you. Bundaberg will be changed when the people of God rise up and know that you are the people of transformation. Wherever we step, wherever we put our feet, it's ours. In Jesus' name. Bundaberg, you belong to Jesus. Hallelujah. The region of Bundaberg, you belong to Jesus. It's time for the people of God to get unsnared, unhooked, untangled, to deal with stuff that needs to go, that we'd be filled with the Spirit, and you start to share Jesus, you start to preach Jesus, you start to lay hands on the sick and see them healed. You start to love the person in front of you that desperately needs to know that there is a God who loves them. I messed your hair up, Steve. (laughs) You must need a bit of joy. (sighs) To live is Christ. what Paul said, the life I'm living, I'm living by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And if in the midst of living for Christ something happens and I die, well, I've just gained. I've gained. Because there's no more hurt, there's no more sorrow, there's no more tears, there's no more sickness, there's no more, no more sin, there's no more. I've just gained because I'm in glory.
Man, that paints a good picture, doesn't it? So come this morning. Come with hunger. Come with an expectation that you receive a fresh touch of God. We've just read about it in Scripture. The early church was filled and they kept being filled. Well, be filled today. Be filled today. Be filled today. Be filled today. Be filled. Prayer team will be up here praying for you. That you'd be filled with gladness, joy, peace, hope, boldness, courage, love, whatever is needed. So come and consume me. My heart is ready. God, if I burn, I'll burn. 